morning. Uh, We are working on making the transition over to a different page, Uh, but it uh, I've got something I need to yet figure out with that apparently. And uh, so for the meantime, I mean, if you've gone to the new page, uh, the Daily Discipleship Podcast page on Facebook, make sure you like, make sure you follow. Uh, then you'll get the notifications uh, that when when it does go live there, hopefully we'll get that figured out. I had an event last night uh, and got up early this morning to try to make sure that that was ready to go, but uh, ran into, in fact, I ran into lots of bugs this morning here. Uh, so we're, we're not over on that page running live yet. Uh, hopefully we'll get that uh, sorted out uh, by tomorrow. Uh, and eventually, I'd say into September, you will have... Uh, at that point, you will. That's the place you're going to want to go for uh, 
for your live interactions. So just letting you know that. Uh, appreciate your patience as we try to make some transitions there. Uh, Don's working on things in Rhode Island. I'm working on things here in Maine. And I mean, we're not sitting in a room together or working on the same computer even. So, um, and that page will change. I'll update some things. Don has created the page and uploaded a whole bunch of the videos uh, for us. And uh, uh, we're grateful for that. We're going to go into Second Peter chapter one, uh, work our way through Second Peter. Just seems to make sense that we would do that. This this beginning of Second uh, Peter, in my opinion, is one of the most critical passages uh, for us to know in helping us to live our Christian life. It just is, and so um, you will see why as we get into it. Uh, maybe not the first two verses, but when we get down into some subsequent verses, you're going to see just absolutely what is found in this passage that uh, is so absolutely critical, uh, I believe, for helping us to live the Christian life. So let's get right over into it, okay? Second uh, Peter chapter 1, Simon Peter, so we know who the author is. A servant and an apostle of Christ Jesus. I mean, we have covered in this broadcast so many of the writings of the apostles that I'm not going to labor on the point other than he gives his credential. He's a servant. He's an apostle of Jesus. One apostle means one who is sent. So he is sent by Jesus. It says, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ had received faith as precious as ours. Now, this second phrase in this sentence uh, is, is loaded uh, with uh, some things that I, I believe that we it's critical that we understand. Notice it doesn't say in, in this passage, um, let me cut back over to it, it doesn't say in this passage, to those who, who through the righteousness of their own works, doesn't say that. Uh, it doesn't say uh, those who through uh, church attendance. Doesn't say that. Uh, those who through uh, religious practices. Doesn't say that. Notice what it says to those who through the righteousness of God our Savior, God in His own righteousness has provided for us. Our salvation. It wasn't our righteousness. It wasn't our righteous acts. It, it wasn't uh, any of those things. It's totally the work of God on our behalf. Even the faith. Some would teach those of a more Calvinistic persuasion, that would include me, would say that, you know, God even gives us the faith to believe. Now, there is mysteriously, and this is where some things break down with Arminians who put all the emphasis on God's, on, on man's responsibility to work for God, to trust in God, to keep their life holy so that God will accept them. That's kind of an Arminian view. And then an extreme Calvinist view is it's all up to God. Um, this is one of those instances in Scripture that does put the emphasis on the work of God on our behalf. And it's not just our, 
It isn't our work. It's God even giving us the faith. Look at the verse here again. To those who through the righteousness of God, it is God in his own righteousness who has called us to himself. It is God in his own righteousness who has uh, demonstrated his love to us in this while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. It is God in his righteousness working on our behalf. But it says, through him we've received, there it is, we've received a faith as precious as ours. Now, now Peter's saying to the people to whom he is writing, you've received a faith as precious as ours. Notice the word received. Now, God has even instilled within us faith. We couldn't even muster up the faith on our own to take action on our own. God even had to help us with our faith and inject into us a faith. Yet here is this mysterious part that I just referenced momentarily ago. It is um, how we work together with God. God has his part. We have our part. We have to react. We have to respond. We would say, well, we're placing faith in Christ. Well, actually what we're doing is we're responding to the faith that he has given us to trust in Christ. Really, that, that is how this works out when, when it speaks about you've received faith as precious as ours. Christ has given us the faith. God has given us the faith in his righteousness. So this is difficult to, to wrap our minds around, but what it tells us is how much God loves us. He loves us so much as to do so much on our behalf so that we may believe in Christ and find righteousness in Christ and find forgiveness in Christ and find new life in Christ. Let's go further. He says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and through our Lord Jesus Christ or through Jesus our Lord. So grace and peace, this is a great thing to say to people every day. Hey, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. I mean, what a great greeting. What if we went up to each other and said this? Maybe I need to put this on the screen. Well, I guess I won't have more screen time. But I was going to say, put this on the screen in church. Here's your greeting. Go around and say this to each other this morning. Why? It's great that we say hello to each other. It's great that we engage each other. But it's even better that we wish each other the blessing of God through the knowledge of God and through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to put this into the King James Plus version here for us um, because I, I want you to just see how this works. Uh, through our knowledge, here is knowledge. Epinosis is the word, the recognition, the full discernment, the full acknowledgement. So the epignosis, to fully acknowledge God. This is what this word means. That is the Greek word, uh, epi and ignosis. Um, epignosis, full discernment, full acknowledgement of God. That's what we need to do. We need to fully acknowledge God. Now, let me put you back to the NIV 84. And I'm going to kind of go back and forth between these two just a little bit this morning. But again, the blessing, grace and peace be yours in abundance through our knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. We want people to have abundant knowledge. I, I want you 
to have an abundant knowledge of God. I, I want you to have an abundant knowledge of all that God has done for you and God continues to do for you. Uh, you know, I, a line I thought about including in in the message Sunday, but apparently it, it wasn't a line that I was supposed to include, was, look, we set the bar as, you know, I've got my kids in church, and they've got their kids in church, and they've got their kids in church. Friends, having our kids in church is not enough. We want our friends, uh, we, we, we want our kids and, and our grandkids and our great-grandkids and our great-great-grandkids to love Jesus. You can be in church and not love Jesus. Uh, you can be in, in church and think, well, I'm a good Christian because I'm in church. No, you're a good Christian, and I'm a good Christian. I'm a better Christian, a deeper Christian, a, a more fulfilled Christian when we put our emphasis on loving Jesus. So this verse, verse 2, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and through uh, Jesus our Lord. May we grow in this epignosis, this affirmation, this acknowledgement of who God is. And who Jesus is. Now, let's get into some more really great stuff here in this passage. I'm going to put the first couple verses up on screen. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. In the last couple of weeks, I've talked about this verse in during the worship service. These, my friends, are absolutely radically transformational truths that when we ascertain them, when we acknowledge them, when we pursue them, when we live them out, when we take hold of them by faith, when we make application of them uh, in our lives, they set our spiritual life in a whole new, fresh, powerful direction. Notice, again, it says his divine power. It isn't our power. It's his power. His power has given to us. It isn't something we have to... Uh, Conjure up. It isn't something that we have to create. It isn't something that we have to fabricate. It isn't something that we need to make believe in. It's no, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. All we need, everything is there. Uh, now, we don't tend to think about the fact that everything is there. We tend to think in our lives about what is still missing. We tend to think, uh, I feel weak. We tend to think, I feel defeated. We tend to think, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't have what it takes to live the Christian life. We tend to think all kinds of things like that. And yet, here what we read is this. He has given us everything we need. It's all there. What we, what we need is more surrender. What we need is more proximity. What we need is a closer walk. What we need is, is, is time. Here in American culture, we have made ourselves so busy, we don't have time for spiritual development. In the same way, we don't have time for physical exercise. We're busy. We have more important things to do. 
And uh, can I suggest to you, and, and this, this is a preacher saying this, and I know this, but that we need to make time for our spiritual development. We need to make time for the scriptures. We need to make time for prayer. We need to make time for worship. Now, we can pray all the time, which is true. We can worship all the time, which is true. And so if we spiritually engage ourselves so that we can uh, pray, so that we can draw near to God, so that we can worship as we're driving places, as we finish up one phone call and move to another, as we to learn to pray in the midst of that, to learn to worship in the midst of that. This verse is, I mean, we just need to realize it. We need to ascertain it. We need to take a hold of it, that he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Now, can I suggest something? And I realize who my listening audience is live here this morning. Um, we go to psychologists. Uh, we go to programs. We go to all kinds of things when what, in fact, we may need is is not in fact, so we look to psychology. Uh, we look to pills. Uh, you know, doc, give me a give me a med for that. Call me down. Give me. I'm I'm not anti psychology. Trust me, I am not anti medication. Trust me, I'm not anti those things. But I do believe that many more of the problems that we face in our lives are spiritual in nature. And if we will address the spiritual part of our lives. Other parts of our lives will come into fruition. I remember now that this. I don't. I'm not meaning this to sound political. Okay, I'm really not, especially given uh, race for governor here in uh, in Maine. But I remember sitting, listening live in the same room to Paul LePage, what five years ago talking about faith-based treatment programs and uh, how they have shown themselves to be so much far more effective than uh, uh, than psychology, than so many of the, the treatment programs that are uh, based on medications and based on self-help. This is Paul LePage. Paul LePage, I, I would not consider, he may be, but I wouldn't consider Paul LePage to be a Christian man. For those of you who don't know who he is, he was our former governor, uh, who concluded through simple observation of the facts that, that, that programs like Teen Challenge, uh, programs like uh, the Calvary Chapel programs uh, up in Machias and in Bangor, uh, and other faith-based sane, uh, what does sane mean? Stand, stand against, oh, sane. Uh, it, it is another uh, faith-based treatment program uh, for substances. And I was in a room last night with 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 some leaders from from that group and whatnot. And can I, what they're doing is they're making disciples. What they're doing is pointing people to the truth of the word of God. That's what they're doing. That's what the answer is. That's what the answer is for all of us. We don't believe it because we're sometimes only partially surrendered. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. Why? 
because we're not surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. I often think that is, in fact, the case. We're not surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. When we fall on our knees before him and surrender our knowledge and surrender our will and surrender our ways, uh, then we can begin to experience his power. This verse tells us that he has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. The knowledge. Let me go back into the King James Version here again. Verse 3, according uh, through our knowledge. Here it is, the same word, epigenosis, recognition, full discernment. This comes from the root word gnosis, which indicates a uh, an experiential knowledge. So as it's speaking about this knowledge of him, it's the knowledge of him and his word. It isn't just knowing the theological truths about God. It's much more than that. It's knowing him. Uh, we went to, to Monmouth, not Monmouth, Mohegan, Monhegan. There we go. I'll get it right. Uh, island on Saturday. And I thought this would be a wonderful place if you can take the ferry ride over. I almost lost my cookies. Um, but wonderful place to go for a day. Get the ferry, go over there, and uh, take your Bible, take a notebook. There's many wonderful places that you can go on that island for personal retreat, just to be with Jesus, just to get away with Jesus. Now, you can do that here in the mainland as well, but to draw close to him. It's through our knowledge of him. The more we get to know him better, knowledge of the holy, uh, by, that uh, was A.W. Tozer. Um, Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Uh, books that, that help you discern, understand the names of God. Anything we can get our hands on and, and we will prayerfully engage with about who God is from biblical perspective is going to help us to be able to live the life that we're called to live. Now, I need to finish out these couple of verses in, in these next couple of minutes. Notice a few more things in this verse. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. We can overcome it. it the Word of God says it. Uh, and I'm not saying I live it perfectly. I certainly don't. But the fact is, I do believe because God's word says that we have everything we need, we have everything we need. So what does that tell me I need to do is I need to apply myself more spiritually. What does that tell me that I need to do? Maybe I need to be a part of more Bible studies. Uh, what does that tell me I need to do? I, I need to spend more time with Jesus. Now, that's what this tells me that I need to do because he says he's given me everything I need. So if everything is there, I need to learn to use it. I need to learn to live in it. And I want to suggest same for you. Everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us. And notice, he called us by his own glory and goodness. He didn't look at us and go, yuck, you're a mess. In his own glory, he called to us. In his own goodness that he has extended to us. I mean, to think about it, I didn't deserve it. I still don't deserve it. But, but yet in his glory, in his goodness, in his grace, in his mercy, he has called me to himself. Now, again, my time is getting short this morning. It says, through these, through what? Through his glory and goodness. I mean, in his goodness, he has given us his very, it says, great and precious promises. 
Again, how the writer doesn't just say he's given us some promises. doesn't say that. They're called great promises. They're called precious promises, the promises of God. It says, so that through them, through the promises of God, we might participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. He has given us promises. Uh, do you know the promises of God? This is a this is a study you can do at any place you read through the Bible and where God says, "I will do this for you." That's a promise of God, and that's what we take hold of, and that's what we believe in. Uh, God provide uh, promises contentment. God promises uh, freedom, uh, the overcoming of anxiety. God promises provision of our needs, not necessarily our wants, but definitely our needs. God promises to us that he'll help us to escape the corruption of the world. Notice what it says, participate in the divine nature. It says it right here. See it? What does that mean? Participate in who he is. It doesn't mean that we're becoming God. It doesn't mean that. Uh, what it does mean, though, is that we get to participate with him and who he is as his character is implanted onto and into our character and how we live in that way as we become like Jesus, we participate in his nature. We are called to become like Christ. Now, yes, I understand we each have unique wiring, unique gifts, unique personality, and all those things. But all those things, in all those things, we are to become more and more like Christ. The last thing that it says in this verse is the corruption in the world. Now, you and I would look around and go, there's a lot of corruption in the world. Uh, we might look at politics and say there's a lot of corruption in politics. Uh, we might look at television and say there's a lot of corruption in television. We might look at any number of things and say there's a lot of corruption. But you know what? I don't need to look any further than within. Being honest, uh, and too many Christians will look around and point all point, point their fingers at the world all around them, but we need to look at within. How much corruption still lies within us? How much tendency to, to slander? How much tendency to malice? How much tendency toward an evil thought? How much tendency toward... Um, Greed, covetousness, all these different things that we might have a tendency. I don't need to be worried about what's going on in the world out there, and I'm not saying we shouldn't preach against and speak, live against the sinfulness of the world, but friends, all we got to do is look in the mirror. Now, two things. We can see the corruption, but at the same time in that mirror, we see the glorious character of Jesus being superimposed on our life. We see the glorious character and nature of Jesus being formed from within, we see that as well. And so while we can look at the world around us and, and talk about all the, the corruption in the world, as Christians, just to be reminded of our own corruption, the corruption, that, as it says, caused by evil desires, those things that are there. This passage tells us we can escape. This passage tells us that, that we can become more like Christ. This passage tells us how to do this when it says in verse 3, through our knowledge of him, as we get to know him better, 
will become more like him. Here's a study for you. Knowing Jesus. How about a study like that? I talked to uh, a young man that has been one of my students who's now pastor, uh, became a pastor, being installed on September the 10th uh, in his church, Clifton Heights Baptist Church. Uh, he's about, talking about meeting with a, a young man, and I said, here's what you do. You get the Gospel of John, you get the Gospel of Mark, you go through those, and you say, what do you observe of Jesus? What did he say? What did he do? How did he react? Because ultimately, a couple things. We want to know Jesus better. And secondly, it's reproducible. You don't need another book, another study. Who wrote that? No, to get the Bible out and go through the Gospels and learn Jesus. He's given us all we need, friends. Is this not just an incredible truth to think about? All we need. He is all we need. We just need to draw close to him. Lord, help us today to draw near to you. Help us to grow in our knowledge of you. Help us to become more like you as we draw close to you. Lord, cause us where we need to carve out time to carve out time. Cause us in the midst of busyness, even in the midst of busyness, to pray to you, to worship to you, worship to you, to worship you, to think of you, to draw close to you. Lord, that's our prayer. That's our need. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day.